Hail you nostalgic recappers. Welcome to 90210 Here We Go, the podcast that takes a look at each episode of the Beverly Hills 90210 franchise from Fox to the CW. Oh, one of us is a 9021 expert and the other is a 9021 novice. Halfway. You're half Halfway. Of, half of a novice. Halfway. Yeah. I'm Kendra Mickles and I'm seeing these episodes for the first time. I'm Nick Gunning and I've seen them all. Our show is brought to you by the Radio Meanwhile Network. Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Twitter at Here We Go Pod. And please rate, subscribe, and share the show wherever you get your podcasts. Today we're discussing the highs and lows of season five of Beverly Hills 90210. We did it. Woo. It's always crazy at the end of a season to go back and see where the season started. Oh, I know. Because it feels like I know that stuff was seasons ago. Yeah, and it was all in season five. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, let's crack open the Condor. Condor is committed to professional standards, professional ethics. The weak need not apply. These episodes originally aired September 7th of 1994 through May 24th of 1995. Here's what was going on during the summer hiatus. On July 4th, Post Malone was born. Oh, where's your... Big day. Where is your appreciation of Post Malone at on a scale? I... I really like Post Malone. I don't, like, I feel like the only songs of his I know are the popular ones. Okay. But... I haven't heard a Post Malone song I didn't like. Fair enough. All right. July 22nd, Rob Estes, Harry Wilson in the CW years, and Kyle McBride on Melrose Place turned 32. Okay. July 26th, Cress Williams, Deshaun, turned 25. And we, Deshaun was in this season, but just kind of vanished. Am I remembering that right? Okay. He was gone. Yeah. Just one day, he's just gone. Okay. Yep. July 28th, Lori Laughlin, Debbie Wilson in the CW years, turned 31. And also July 28th, Dustin Milligan, Ethan Ward in the CW years, turned 10. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> Cute. One passing to mention on July 4th, Ava Gabor passed away, um, known for many things. Uh, the Rescuers, Green Acres. Oh, yeah. I probably loved, the, I loved the Green Acres as a kid. Yeah. My brother loved it before I did. And so then I was like, what are you watching? And he's like, it's Green Acres. It's so funny. <laughs> it is. That's true. Yeah. But I've always been a fan of The Rescuers. Yeah. Too. She's great in that too. Her and Bob Newhart. What a pair. You prefer The Rescuers or The Rescuers Down Under? You know, I think a lot of my memories are from The Rescuers. Not Down the Under. The Rescuers so. Down Under is the one I watched first. Oh, but, okay. But I think I like the other one more, yeah. if I had to choose. Yeah. What was the other mouse movie, animated movie, with Sherlock and... Was he Sherlock? Oh, yeah. He's like a Sherlock the, Yeah, the great, the great Mouse the Detective. The Great Mouse Detective. Yeah. Ugh. Also great. Yes, it is. Ava Gabor is not in that. No, but <laughs> I don't think she is. Also great. Okay. Uh, all right, let's talk movies. July 7th, first night, spelled K-N-I-G-H-T. Correct, yeah. Starring Sean Connery. Have you seen this? Richard Gere is Lancelot? Oh, it's good. No. Oh, is it? Yeah. All right. I'll have to add it to the list. Okay. July 19th, Clueless. Wow. uh, Which I had not seen until, I want to say, like, two, three years ago. I mean, it... It was too much of my life spent not having seen it. Yeah, movies. well, I've never seen it, but I watched the like the TV spinoff when it was on. How have you never seen Clueless? I don't know. It's one of my wife's favorites. It's just never I happened. I know. I don't know. It's never happened. Did I watch it with I wife? think you did, yeah. I think I did. I think so. I think I did. It's so funny. 
And I believe it. Paul I Rudd. love Alicia Silverstone. And Paul Rudd is great. Yeah, Alicia Silverstone's great. And July 19th, Free Willy 2. Ooh, part two. Freer. Freer yeah. than ever. <laughs> Even freer. <laughs> <laughs> He's really free. Yeah. Uh, TV, August 8th, the Aeon Flux show yeah. on MTV. Yeah, that's right. I, I've seen the movie. I've never seen the show, but I saw the movie by myself, and I honestly don't remember why. But I was like, yeah, I got some time to kill. I'll go see Ion Flux. So it's just sure. me alone. Me and Charlie is... Is it... Is the show animated, or is it's, it like... Yeah, it's a, it's a... Well, it's like MTV produced, but it's anime style, anyway. Oh, cool. Music. July 18th, the Ramones released their final studio album, Adios Amigos. Well, that's a fun yeah. farewell title. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Also on July 18th, Selena's final album, Dreaming of You, was released posthumously. Yeah. What an insane story that is. Tragic it and is. just yeah. crazy. Video games. Here are the top-rented video games in July. Judge Dredd for the SNES and Sega Genesis. Yeah. I think by this point, they'd kind of like the other systems, like regular Nintendo, I think they were kind of phased out. They've fallen away. Yeah, Sega CD. I don't <laughs> think they're really doing it. And August 3rd, Tekken 2 hit arcades. Yep. You know I love Tekken. I, I do know. This is funny because literally an hour ago, I saw a trailer for a Netflix anime Tekken series that is coming out. Oh, really? And I'm very excited for it. So hopefully it's good. Yeah. <laughs> because the movie is one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> it, it was so bad. Hmm. Under other, interesting, we have in very large print the word egg. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's still there. I don't know. Price eggs. It's important. Yep. And we say it every time. It is. All right. <laughs> Nick, take us beyond the zip code. Okay. Well, I thought I would take a look at a contemporary thing, see what was going on. In 1995, Jason Priestley uh, was starring in the movie Cold Blooded. This came out in September. So just about when season six debuted, this was coming out. Written and directed by Wallace Wolodarski. In the film, Priestley plays Cosmo Reef, an effectless mob bookie who lives in the basement of a retirement home. He's promoted to hitman against his will. He learns his new trade from Steve, a seasoned killer, and proves to be a natural marksman despite having no experience with firearms. He falls in love with a yoga teacher, Jasmine, and must figure out a way to leave the mob so that they can be together. Why have we never heard of this, Kendra? Be a hitman. Yeah, it sounds You great. have to be a hitman. Yeah. You're All promoted right. against I don't your want will. To. Well, it's against your will, Chief, so. <laughs> that sounds crazy. It really does. And we're definitely watching it for yeah. this podcast. Yes, I think we have to. We have to. <laughs> All right. Well, season five, as we've already said. It's a big season. It is. So so much happens. Yeah. I, I mean, big because there's a million episodes, but yes. also we we take a real journey. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's look back here on season five. In an eventful year, the Walshes learn that Brenda has opted to stay in London, leaving her room open for family friend Valerie Malone to move in following the death of her father. Brandon goes deep into the university politics and doesn't always come out on top. Kelly is involved in a tragic fire and gets wrapped up in a cult, only to rebound with highs like making the cover of Seventeen magazine. Ultimately, she chooses herself over pursuing a relationship with either Dylan or Brandon. Barf. Dylan, meanwhile, has struggled with alcohol and drug addiction, but once he's back on the straight and narrow, he is able to recover his stolen money and rescue his sister Erica, with Valerie's help, of course. 
The Peach Pit expands to include a nightclub, The Peach Pit After Dark, which was conceived by Dylan, Steve, Nat, David, and Claire, and ultimately run by Valerie after her windfall and recovering Dylan's money. Andrea and Jesse struggle early on with Hannah's health, then with their rushed marriage, but ultimately they reconcile and Andrea is able to follow her dream of attending Yale. Donna, meanwhile, gets entangled with Ray Pruitt, an abusive musician. Finally, Jim Walsh is promoted, and he and Cindy make the difficult decision to relocate to Hong Kong, leaving Brandon and Valerie alone in the house. <sighs> uh, so much. I think that's so much that's the broad strokes. I think. Yeah, that's the good stuff. I mean, okay. yeah, we they also argue over Hannah's uh, religious. That's how true. They're gonna raise. You're her. right. Yeah, yeah. It's a big thing. Yeah, and Andrea does have an affair. Just. <laughs> Just Andrea that, has an that affair. Wasn't specific, but Donna, yeah. Donna gets attacked by a campus. Oh, I forgot uh, about that. Yeah, you're right. Yep. You're right. Yep. Okay. She gets attacked a lot in this season. Yeah. Yes, she does. All right, Nick, who's living in Beverly Hills? Well, looking at the the writing and directing staff, there's just a few things to note. A lot of regular directors uh, on a rotation here, but I wanted to point out in the writing staff, we had our first story credit by a cast member with Ian Ziering getting a credit in Sentenced for Life. And then Christina Lise, credited as Christina Lise McCarthy, or maybe just Christine McCarthy, wrote uh, with her writing partner Double Jeopardy. Nice. We had three cast members directing this season. Jason Priestley did three episodes. Scott Paulin, who played Corey Randall, did two. And James Eckhouse did one. And I think it's his final one for the series. I don't think he directs again. Hmm. Uh, Boy, in our main cast member list here, this is our largest turnover ever. Because... We said goodbye to Douglas Emerson in season two. So he was downgraded from a series regular to recurring in season two and then like hit the road. Yeah. Shannon Doherty, of course, famously left in season four. But we have Gabrielle Carteris, Mark Damon Espinosa, James Eckhouse, and Carol Potter all making their final series regular appearance in season five. End of an era. It really is. Well, End of a true era. <laughs> when, the, when the original cast was hired, all of them were given five-year contracts. And so oh. Shannon Doherty got out early, of course. And I'm not, mm-hmm. I guess I couldn't swear to it that Douglas Emerson had a five-year, but I think he did. But, you know, Jim and Cindy, James Eckhouse, Carol Potter, Gabrielle Carteris, all at the end of their five-year. And I feel like probably story-wise, a good move for all of those characters to move on. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, definitely for Andrea. She hasn't had no. a lot to do in a while. I, um, they lost the ability to write for Andrea in season one. Yeah. yeah. I think... All of their plans for her were wrapped up in a romance with Brandon, and when they saw that wasn't in the cards, they had no backup plan, and they just desperately <laughs> for tried. four more seasons. Yeah, that's honestly what it feels like. Yeah. So, I I mean, that being said, I will miss her. I will yeah. miss seeing her around on the show. I guess I'll um, miss the potential of what she could have brought, or yeah. those rare moments where she was given a, a chance to be the character she was intended to be. She always brought something good out of the other person in the scene. So yeah. it is sad to see mm-hmm. her go. I I feel I understand why they did it, but I feel like writing in her real life pregnancy was really the nail in the coffin. Mm. You know? Yeah. I just think if they were really like prepared to do that and could have done it well, I feel like there's a way to have made it work. But this just feels like it was just done on the fly and every step of the way it was made up as it went along. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. It, yes, it felt like they were reacting as yeah. they went. And I mean, I think it's very rare on a TV series that you get away with hiding a pregnancy, you know? I mean, Jenny Garth goes through a pregnancy in the show a little bit later on, and, and mm-hmm. you know, I think they cover it pretty well. But I think I would have accepted, you know, 
a, a second half of a season where Andrea's like holding a big book bag or behind a counter for most of yeah. it. And I feel like <laughs> you could have told a better story. Or I think on the flip side, just don't marry her off. Just give her a story as like a single parent trying to navigate. And I think that would have really triggered something in the character to like step it up. And I think that could have been interesting and compelling, you know? Yeah, everything they did separated her more and more right. from the rest of yeah. the cast. Yeah. So it I just mean, made it. They painted themselves into a corner. Exactly. Think what it would have been like if, like, they would have brought in Andrea. Like, if it was Andrea moving into the beach. Like, Andrea and Hannah, no Jesse, moving into the beach apartment instead of Claire. And, like, Donna and Kelly kind of, like, you know, and just have the whole gang kind of be these surrogate parents for this kid. I really feel like that's a story they could have told well. Yeah, that would have been fun. But instead, I don't know, the casting, the casting of Mark Damon Espinoza, I just will never understand liked him so much at first if you go back and listen you'll remember yeah i was like i'm in it let's do it i know and they did have some real chemistry but after that he just stopped being a character you know Mm -hmm. my wife said essentially he was just a prop and that's that's really true you know that's kind of what it was like he was just there to be like now andrea and that was it Mm -hmm. and i felt like early in the season they were trying to give him some scenes scenes with different people scenes that are just like here's jesse's life because they added him to the credits you know? Yeah, they did. It's like our first addition to the opening credits ever, and there's just no muscle behind it. I yeah. don't know. I think it'll be interesting without Jim and Cindy there, because I yeah. feel like having the parents be such a presence in yeah. the show, I wonder how much it's going to change. I know. Where it's like, no parents anymore. Yeah. There's no, you know, that yeah. family aspect is gone, and now it's just college kids. So Yeah. It'll well, be interesting. And I feel sort of like that scene between Jim and Nat was a bit of a passing the baton of like, you're now the, the parental figure of this series. <laughs> you're the only, you you're know, the only logical parent left. I kind of think that's where <laughs> we're going. But that brings me right into guest cast. So this is our primary guest cast. And we should say Joey Tata, Kathleen Robertson, and Jamie Walters are de facto series regulars for this. They're in the majority of episodes. I, I think even more than Mark Damon Espinosa, who is actually in the opening credits. It, it's a It's a real horse race there. But those it's are interesting that they would put Mark Damon Espinosa in the credits and not Jamie Walters. Yeah, I know. Or, or Claire. Or, I or mean, Kathleen or, Robertson. Yeah. She is in every episode. Yeah. Yeah. Nat I get, but like, yeah, <laughs> that, that's a weird one. But elsewhere, we had Angela Espie and Matthew Lawrence as Mel and Jackie Taylor. We had, or Mel Silver, Jackie Taylor. We had Christina Lee back as Emily Valentine for the final time. So long, Emily Valentine. So though she, long. Though she'll do a little bit more writing on the series later on. Uh, Nicholas Pryor, of course, as Chancellor Milton Arnold. We had Jed Allen as Rush Sanders. Casper Van Dien as Griffin Stone, who went from nice to monster overnight. Yep, they all do. Jeffrey King as Charlie Rollins, a character that just leaves me with why. Why? Why? <laughs> James C. Victor as Peter Tucker, Dimples McTucker here, Andrea's uh, lover boy. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Alan Toy <laughs> as Professor Pat- Patrick Finley. Yep. Gone but, gone but not forgotten. Ryan Thomas Brown as Munts, which I think is funny that they just like keep using Munts. Yeah, they've kept him around. Cracks me up. (laughs) Carolyn McWilliams as Luann Pruitt. What a catch. Uh, Joshua Beckett as Josh Richland. And Wings Hauser as Jonesy. Some of these we'll see again. Some of them we won't. But pretty robust guest cast. I feel like this is maybe the most like present recurring characters we've had in the series so far. Do you think that's true? think so yeah just a lot of things going on 
Uh, it blows my mind to think that Valerie was introduced this season. I know. It feels like she's been here forever. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> when I look back, I'm like, oh, yeah. It's really that crazy. first episode is when Valerie showed up. Or yeah. the second episode or yeah, whatever it yeah. was. Another noteworthy cast member here, Milton Burl as Saul Howard. So this was a big deal for the series. I mean, he was quite a get, but also he was nominated for an Emmy Award. And it's the only Emmy Award that the series ever got. Or nomination. He didn't win. But the only nomination yeah. they ever got. But it's enough to say 90210, Emmy Award yeah. nominated. <laughs> <laughs> we were nominated. And then the episode Song for My Mother uh, is noteworthy because the majority of the credited cast does not appear. That's really just yeah. that's really just David and Donna from the opening credits and we have the Dylan Valerie tattoo plot that takes all of 5 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody else, no no Brandon, no Kelly, like nobody else is there. So yep, they got the week off. Pretty crazy. All right, well the biggest change here it's our first season without Brenda, our first season with Valerie. So let's do it. You know, I was on board with Valerie from episode one. <laughs> she is just like this totally different force in the group. This yeah. totally different dynamic from Brenda. Yeah. And after, you know, getting to the end of the season, I can say that I enjoyed it. Just not knowing what Valerie was doing, what her deal yeah, was, yeah. what she was going to do next. I, I have like to it. say, I have to say that this so far has been the most like soap opera, the most Melrosey season that we've had so far. You know, like feel, the melodrama, yes. having a villain in the main cast, very soap opera like. Yeah, um, I agree about Valerie. I mean, I did, I didn't like when we took a little pause and tried to pretend she was nice for a minute. I was yeah. much more on board when we were back to her being a villain. And I feel like Valerie as villain was something they were kind of. I don't know, toying with having Brenda be kind of a villainous character just because she was so chaotic. She was, yes, but it was... I never thought that Brenda was, like, nefarious. No. Or, like, she was She was a different kind of chaotic yeah. from Valor. Yeah. Like, she was chaotic, but she was. it was always, like, to save, save right. puppies. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> whatever, exactly. you know? It, it wasn't, like chaotic to like bust up the friend group exactly like brenda would stir the pot just by her nature but never maliciously valerie yeah. is the is the new pot stirrer but like with yeah. only malicious intent yeah. <laughs> so that's a, that's the big difference i do yeah and it is i yeah. mean it's interesting it, i think they do a good job of like she she is in the group and she's so awful, but they do keep her around. But yeah. it never like it never I was never like, why is she still here? Obviously she right. they should have kicked her out of the group. Yeah. I don't know. I think they did a good job yeah. of like, oh, we hate her, but she's here. I think And we, it and it just made sense. Do you find that you miss Brenda? I don't know. I don't know. I think what I, I wouldn't want her in place of Valerie. Okay. Right right now. Yeah. Um, but I guess like when I look back on those first four seasons, I look back on them fondly. Yeah. So it's probably like a nostalgic. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I can't be nostalgic for a show I just started watching two years ago. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I feel like the impact of Brenda, like even though there are more seasons without her than with her, I feel like Brenda always feels like a top tier character in a way that some of the later editions, even Valerie, never quite get there for me. And maybe that's because of the time I watched it, but like I think Brenda's importance in the show doesn't diminish just by the fact that she's gone now. 
I would agree with yeah. that. I I don't think like, oh, finally, now yeah. we have a good character. Right. Like, I think Brenda is important. And I feel like the thing that you miss not having her is you you mentioned about Jim and Cindy kind of get more and more getting pulled away. I feel like a lot of that is a lack of Brenda because you have like a scene with Brandon and Jim and Cindy is like whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but like having a sibling dynamic and a parent relationship and then like kind of four ways to go is just a different kind of story. So I think that's a lot of reason why James Eckhouse and Carol Potter we're kind of pushed on the back burner because it's just not like, I think they tried for a hot minute to have Valerie kind of fill that place, but those scenes don't work. Yeah. You know, and it's no one's fault. They just don't work. Yeah. I feel like they did a cool thing where they were like, we need somebody to sort of fill a similar role to Brenda, but in a totally different way, you know, because Valerie a lot of times is filling the Brenda role, but she doesn't feel like just a, you know, I'm, I'm cousin Schmunda, you know, like she, is her own unique character. And I think that was pretty expertly done. I think so too. I think it was the best transition they could have had taking out such a big character. Yeah. You know, four seasons in. Yeah. That's not always, it's not always done to success. No, no. But I, I think they were able to keep up the same vibe of the show, the same feel while adding this brand new character. Yeah. And speaking of brand new characters, we have Claire, Ray, and Jesse all really coming to the forefront. Like, we've met Jesse and Claire in the past, but them being more central was this year. We already kind of talked about Jesse, but what are your thoughts on Ray and Claire? I didn't like Claire at first, but she really grew on me as the season went. And I know you you don't think that she and David are, you know, anything and that they're doing anything with those two. But I liked having her move into the house and just be that other I don't know by the end of the season I was on board with her uh, snark and sass and once she moved past being in love with Brandon I feel like (laughs) it got better but I like that we get callbacks to that you know I think there's there's a lot of talk about it because obviously the obvious comparison is Valerie Brenda but I sort of feel like what they did was take what Brenda was doing for the series and Valerie sort of completes the the family unit and sort of the chaos unit, while Claire picks up, I think, some of the friending that Brenda was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because without Claire, it's just Kelly Donna. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not really enough. You know, yeah. like that's just, that doesn't quite make a little triad, you know, because Andre is not a part of that. So it's almost like they took what Brenda was bringing and split it between Claire yeah. and Valerie. And I just think that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. I feel like Ray has the potential to be a really interesting and compelling character. I just don't think they quite have it. No. And for me, his switch from, you know, guy rough around the edges to complete monster was just too quick. It was, it just felt like one minute he's like, whatever. And then the next minute he's like the worst. Yes, I I think there's some truth to that. But if you really think about, I was watching it because I knew where we were headed. So we were watching it this time. First of all, he calls her like a spoiled bee the very first time they meet. Yeah. And trying to like get her to hang out with him and spend time with him. He's very in her space and very forceful in a way that she's sort of flattered by in the beginning. But when you know the arc... I think they really did thread the needle earlier than it okay. seems like. In Maybe hindsight. I just wasn't picking up on it yeah. because I was, you know, at first it was between 
Griffin and Ray and yeah. Griffin also on a dime became this monster. Yeah. So then he seemed like the better choice. Yeah. So yeah, it would be interesting to go back and and look at those early yeah. episodes again and see. I think because I remember at the time, I don't think I said it in the episode, but a lot of his moves are right out of the sort of abuser handbook. And then once you know she drops Griffin and they kind of settle into a thing, I think what they do for a while is they just don't have a reason to have conflict. It's not that Ray's nicer. It's like they're able to skate by for a while where Donna is content to hang out on the pumpkin patch and doesn't try to integrate him <laughs> with the friends. And so since there's no reason for conflict, he seems nice. And as mm. soon as he starts to like, okay, well, you got to be a part of my life, then the really ugliness comes out. So I do think it's there. All yeah. right. I'll, I'll agree with your uh, professional opinion. There. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um. I think, and even just even looking at the, your summary there, I feel like there are some characters who really didn't have much going on for them. I would say Steve, David, Claire, kind of Donna, don't really have an arc. I mean, Donna's is tied up with Ray, I feel like. Not when you're not when you're comparing them to Kelly and Brandon. Like they they or Valerie, truly, even Valerie, I or feel Valerie, like has more. yes, truly have or Dylan, true have true arcs where they start one way and end a different way. Yeah, um, and they've like grown as characters. But yeah, I mean, Steve has his whole going to court and getting you know he can't promote the club anymore. So I mean right. that stuff happens. But the Steve of the beginning of the season is pretty much the same as right. the Steve of the end of the season. And it's weird to me to th- like kind of drop a gauntlet and be like, Steve can't do any of the Steve stuff anymore if you're yeah. not going to have him turn some corner. You yeah. know, because it's like now he can't do the stuff that's fun and he has no plot. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like yeah. shenanigans. And <laughs> I mean, I think other than like the one episode with his mother, David's got nothing. Like, nothing. He really doesn't. He really doesn't... Like, at first we were getting some stuff with him and Claire, but... Yeah, he he really doesn't have much to do. And he, I feel like he's like mellowed out yeah. a lot this season. Well, like whenever and whenever he has a scene, he's just very like, you know, calmly talking yeah. kind of stuff. So, yeah. I think we've been I mean, at this four, I think season 4 especially was very David heavy because you have all the radio station stuff, you had the drug plot, you had him and Donna sort of leading to the big breakup, you had his music career taking off, like David had a lot to do. And this year he's not doing any of that at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Does he even go to school? Maybe. <laughs> no, he does. Maybe. He does. And I really, does. I really feel like Claire is there to be the third friend because she doesn't, she doesn't get much either. No, she, yeah, she's just... They're both just kind of there to fill out the group when needed. Yeah. Yeah. And Donna, I mean, you mentioned the attack. We have the attack kind of early on, which is in the middle of the Ray stuff, right? It's when Ray is out on tour or whatever. Yes. But that's not really a growing experience for her. Like, I kind of thought that's why we were doing it. But I I don't really know why. There was a season where Donna really came into her own, and now I feel like she's more of a nothing character again. They definitely took her, I don't know, I hope I hope they redeem her more in the next season because it just, this whole season felt like, you know, a guy hurt her and now she's sad. And then yeah. another guy hurts her and now she's sad. Like, you know, and it's never her, 
you know, I am woman, hear me roar. She yeah. never has one of those moments. So I hope they give her that in the yeah. next season. It's funny because I feel like Andrea is not well served by this season, but she also maybe has not based on like amount of screen time, but I feel like the size of her plot is one of the biggest because she goes it through is. so much here, mm-hmm. you know, with Jesse and the affair and like just everything that's going on. This is like a crazy jump for this character. <laughs> yeah, it is. And not the character I would have guessed no. in the first season was going to be No, but see, things. that's the thing. If they would have done it well, that could have been really interesting to have the straight A, like honor student square be the one who has the kid in college and has to figure out her whole life and everything. And they just didn't really do it. I'm glad she gets to go to Yale. Yeah. That's that's nice. I feel like the MVP of this season is maybe Valerie, honestly. I mean, (laughs) looking at where she starts, where she's like, I'm going to try to fit in with these people, to like, by the end of the season, everybody knows the score with her, and yet she still kind of has all the power. That's That's a good arc, you know? Yeah, and she has chemistry with every single person it's that true. she's on the screen with. Yes, she does. I mean, she and Dylan, I was like, yeah, let's do it. I and like now that her and Brandon, too. I'm like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and like, even her, she and Kelly, like when they walk into the room with each other, you can feel the tension yeah. between them and her and Claire. I mean, props to Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Agreed. She's just, she's just good at this character. And and what a, I mean, just a, just from like a intimidating perspective, I mean, coming in when 90210 is an absolute juggernaut and she's mm-hmm. coming off of Saved by the Bell, which was popular, but not something that anybody took seriously, you know, <laughs> and like suddenly here she and is. such a different character, right? right. I mean, a I, complete I opposite. assume. A complete, I've only seen a few. Yeah, total opposite, <laughs> total opposite. And then to just sort of be this big big bold villain of a character and make it work and have her be the one that you're i mean i felt sort of most compelled by her story this season so i just think that's pretty impressive was she was she popular when this aired like were people liking her i, I don't remember as- yeah i mean i don't really remember anything you know in in like magazines or something because we're like pre-internet here but i don't remember a lot of negative things i remember people being like yeah kelly from saved by the bell is a great villain on 90210 you know i mean it was shocking it was truly shocking as i said when the when the premiere started and they were like brenda staying in london and then shannon doherty wasn't in the opening credits i was completely blindsided like as a child i was like no brenda and even i, I was team valerie that. i think we talked about that yeah we that did be really hard to hide today yeah impossible that kind of thing impossible brandon's at the forefront here but i don't really enjoy the presidential stuff mostly because we don't actually see it ever i don't enjoy it at all it's very no. i don't know and and it's like he's president but he doesn't want to do president things right. and then he has to deal with a bunch of stupid stuff and then he wants to be president but he's not anymore yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah not my favorite not no my favorite no and i mean dylan a lot of a lot of stuff's happening with dylan like the drug and alcohol stuff like the rehab stuff the getting erica, his money back erica his money back him and valerie him and kelly the hypnosis a lot of stuff going on here yeah and i would say and it's I, like 50 50 did you okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't like the the hip the hypnosis stuff the hypnosis and the screenwriting i feel like both are such wastes of time it's just yeah it's just filler yeah it's just silly yeah it's just silly and doesn't i don't think have that much of an effect 
I'm, I mean, I guess it gets him to decide I want to be with Kelly, but then what does that amount to? Yeah. Right. You know, by the end of the season. I know. So. I know. Okay. But let's talk about couples. Let's talk about couples okay. because again, another thing that's changed in my perspective is that I remember Kelly and Brandon being like the golden couple, but them together was just great. And here it is a snooze fest. <laughs> no chemistry. Did it, I didn't hate it as much oh. as you did. I mean, they started out with more chemistry, and then it definitely fizzled as they went. I but really, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I really think at the end of season four, when she comes to Washington D.C. and stuff, and they have so much chemistry on the retreats and stuff, when he's pretending, to, when she's pretending to be the girlfriend to throw the trail off Lucinda, so much chemistry. Then when she shows up in D.C., tons of chemistry. And then this season, we're right into like all the I love you's and like sex all the time. And I just feel like for that relationship, it doesn't work. Like with Dylan, it makes total sense. With mm-hmm. Brandon, I feel like you jumped the gun and we didn't really get to see an attraction, you know? Yeah. It was like, yeah. they, they told us they were attracted to each other, but I don't really feel like we saw it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I understand that. I mean, it's definitely, they definitely didn't have the chemistry that Dylan and Kelly have. No. And I, I think when they saw that, they should have done something different than what they yeah. did. Yeah. I guess they were just trying to throw sex scenes at us. Like, look. Yeah. They're so hot for each other. <laughs> it was just but, just unusual. I just yeah. I just found it to be unusual. And I was more Team Dylan this time around, you know? Mm. I was like, yeah, this, this is where we're at. <laughs> yeah. They so. definitely did Dylan wrong. Yeah, I agree. I agree. David Clare, you know. Whatevs. Whatevs. I mean, they... I like them together. I really I really do yeah. like that pair. I guess I just... I would like to see... I don't know. I don't know what I would like to see. When it started, it was kind of fun. And it was like... Like you said, the snark and everything. That the two of them kind of just showing up, sort of making fun of 90210 is how it felt in the beginning. <laughs> and then they did that too long... And then we had a series of goofy escapades with them. And then it was just, well, they're together, so they're just going to stand in this room. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, the Donna and Ray stuff, obviously, is cringeworthy and awful. Quite cringe. Yes. Andre and Jesse, after the initial stuff, no, uh, no chemistry. But I... No the affair is really weird to me, to go for an affair with... Uh, it is, I just, and I wonder. I wonder what their thought process was. If I don't they were know. Just trying to get something, get some more steamy stuff on the screen, or yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, so looking at the big arcs, I think Dylan trying to get the money back, and then what? We have poor drunk Dylan for the first half, and then we have sort of like rich blase Dylan for the second half, and that has the ripple effects with Valerie getting the money and everything. That I think is a pretty successful arc. I know? agree. I agree. And I I thought it was interesting how we started the season, like, because I remember at the end of the fourth season being like, oh, my God, like, with you know, Erica left the yeah. uh, note in the bathroom. Yeah. And then we started the season and it was, it was a, like 10 episodes in, right? And yeah, I'm like, I guess we're never coming back to this. Uh-huh. <laughs> I <Yeah>. guess <laughs> Erica's just gone forever. Yeah, I guess so. He's going to be poor for the rest of the season. Um <laughs> So I thought they waited just long enough that when it did come back, I was like, oh, yes, we're going to do it. Yeah. And then I, you know, I liked those episodes where they did the sting and yeah. Yeah. all of that. And again, what a pivot, because 
whatever they had planned couldn't have involved a Valerie character. So yeah. that I feel like they did successfully just do something totally different with and it worked. I mm-hmm. like that quite a bit. I was never, like we already kind of talked about Brandon and politics, but boy, Kelly this season, yowzer. Yeah. So before the fire, her thing is just like being with Brandon, like right. going from Dylan to Brandon. Yes. And then she has the fire and then her life is just so yeah. different. Well, and the, mo- the modeling, the start of the modeling stuff is pre-fire also. That's right. That's right. We, yeah. This is, uh, we had a, a one of one of the tweets we got about these episodes at Kier underscore Lynn says, I mean, I know what happens to her in the future yet. I'm not going to tell you, Kendra. Spoilers. Don't tell me. But so much drama with Kelly this season. Burned in a fire, almost. Sucked into a cult. Wow. And, I mean, she's absolutely right. It's just, like, two really big swings with Kelly. Yeah. A lot going on. And I thought that Jenny Garth was amazing this season. She with did. everything. She did navigate it well. I thought so. And, I mean, I'm a sucker for someone getting sucked into a cult. So... Yeah. I... <laughs> I was like, oh, man, we're going this way. This is interesting. But I think that doing it on the heels of the fire, when she kind of feels like she's lost what she brought physically, Mm -hmm. that she's just feeling so adrift, makes perfect sense. Yes. I don't know that I would have bought the cult without the fire. Probably not. You know? I I felt like she needed some sort of big, like, if it had just been like, oh, I'm a model, but I don't feel pretty. And yeah. now I'm joining a cult. Like that wouldn't have been new. No. That wouldn't have been enough. No. So the fire was definitely important. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, again, the, the Dylan hypnosis and screenwriting stuff. I just, I don't know what they were doing I mean, I with feel that. Like I really don't writing, know. The writing makes sense for Dylan and like for him to come out of all the stuff he's been through and be like, I want to write Sure, like that makes sense. But I don't buy a screenplay. I don't believe a screenplay. Yeah. If he was writing a novel or something, yes. But like a movie, that just seems so like frivolous. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem very Dylan. No, it doesn't. But I guess because Charlie's in on it, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Not. I don't. I hope we're. I hope we're done with the screenplay. I mean, we don't get Charlie again, so I hope we're done with the screenplay. Maybe we are. Um, But the rest of Dylan's arc. Uh, I I always enjoyed. Well, I think Luke Perry is just one of those actors that like he'll just elevate the material. Like it just doesn't yeah. doesn't super matter what Dylan's doing <laughs> because he just can bring it, you know. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. that was really true this season because as much as I find the hypnosis stuff stupid, the episode was much more watchable than I remembered, and he does a good job with it and really yeah. sells all of that stuff. So, you know. Are there any yeah. other major season arcs that like stood out to you? I feel like we hit them all. Yeah. All the big ones. A lot of little mini stuff going on, obviously. I mean I think the, yeah. I think obviously a big addition here is the Peach Pit after dark. You know. Oh yes. And that's it's so crazy that that is only this season. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it, it's a smart move because it keeps the Peach Pit central, but it kind of explains why a bunch of twenty five year olds are just like going to the same diner for pancakes like every day. You know, yeah. it gives them a reason to be there. And it's only going to grow in prominence as the series goes on. Spoiler alert. So I think how that came in was really smart. I think positioning Valerie to take it over makes a lot of sense. And I think it really works well for the character. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Were there episodes that stood out to you? If you had to pick a favorite or a couple of favorites, where would you go? 
I mean, I think Up in Flames, just the fire episode, oh, yeah. is it's so good, and it's so, and the one the the two Up in Flames and Injustice for All. Yeah, I feel like those two kind of started off a good run of episodes. Yeah, so I like that, and then I'm trying to find which one is the one where they actually go and get his money back. From. Hazardous to your health. Yes. Yeah. That, I. That's probably. Like, if I'm looking back on this season, that was just, like, that was fun. It was Because fun. they were, like, they were out of Beverly Hills, fun. they were doing crazy things, Valerie was there, there were guns involved. I, yeah, I think I tend to agree with you on both accounts. The only thing I'd say about the fire plot line is the complete lack of change coming out of that for Steve is really disappointing. It is. It is. Because he, yeah. loses, he loses his trajectory, and he hurts Kelly, and those two things should have fundamentally changed him, and they didn't. Yeah. So I think that's a drag. But Hazardous to Your Health, even though it wasn't as... Because, again, I remember this as like a five-episode arc from my childhood, and it's one episode. Yeah. <laughs> even though it wasn't as high-stakes adventure as I remember it, it's still one of the episodes in the series that stands out to me the most. Yeah. You know? I also liked uh, Stormy Weather, which I think is the one where Brandon gets Dylan to help get Oh, Kelly yeah, where they have the little... The yeah, cult. yeah, I do like that. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really talk a lot about this, but Kelly choosing herself in the end. You know, obviously a legendary quote uh, yeah. within the 90210 franchise, but I still really hate it. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why they do that. I think it's so yeah, weird. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a letdown after yeah. all the buildup between these three characters. Yeah. I mean, I guess I get they were trying to make her, you know, like... Like independent? yeah. Which is cool, but also there's you've built it up too much. Yeah, for that. you have. I mean, it's been kind of multiple seasons at this point, you know, and to have it be that she, I don't know, it's it's very unsatisfying, and it the way it kind of melds into Brandon reevaluating things with Valerie, which you know feels a bit like a rebound, but it still is kind of an interesting turn. Mm. You know, I liked the mm-hmm. I liked the way that went. And we'll see how that continues in, in season six. Really easy to pick a least favorite, Kendra. You got one? I was going to say the dreams, dreams of Dylan, of Dylan McKay. McKay. Such nonsense. So bad. Oh, that stupid railroad track and that stupid guy saying those stupid things yeah. every time he runs past and him. Then never, and then like one of them turns out to be his dad, but like has no connection. It was so dumb. So bizarre. So it was weird. So dumb. Just an unpleasant uh, episode. <laughs> I was also going to say Squash It was one of my least favorite episodes. Oh, yeah, Squash It was rough. Because not only the Squash It stuff, but also that's the episode with that really young kid who's maybe going to go to CU that's, like, following Brandon around. yeah. Yeah, that is a dumb, that's a dumb episode. The other one that I picked was Homecoming. Homecoming were the the president or whatever of Selenesia, their made-up country. I just, that was so stupid. That whole episode was. is really dumb. It was dumb. Really dumb. Kendra, I think we've come to the time of your predictions for the future. All right. Okay, just give them, or do you have... Yeah, no, no, what do you, what do you got? You what do you got? All yeah, right. just look uh, at some characters. Brandon, Dylan, Kelly, where are we going? I think Dylan and Kelly are going to get back together. Okay. Because especially since we're doing this Brandon Valerie thing at okay. the end of it. What's like, your... I think if Ke- so... I think if Kelly finds out that Brandon and Valerie are messing around that she's not going to be interested in Brandon okay. anymore. So where do you think Brandon Valerie's going? 
It's so hard to say. Okay. Because Valerie is not like a have a steady boyfriend type. Right. So. But she does. She is different with Brandon. She is different with Brandon. She is. And I feel like Brandon has been her target. Her, you know, the long goal. Yes. Has been Brandon. Yeah. It's been teased a lot. All right. So you So I would not be surprised if they were together for, for at least a little bit. Donna Ray. I hope it's episode one. We're we're He's done. <laughs> done with Ray. He's done. I don't want to do a whole new a whole another thirty episodes with Ray. I okay. can't do it. All right. My heart my heart can't take it. And how do you think things are gonna be different without Jim and Cindy? I don't know. I think I mean if they are moving out of the I wonder if the Walsh house is gonna come back at all because it was sold. So right. are we how long how much longer are we gonna be on that set? Good question. And you know, if they move into like a beach condo situation, I think that'll definitely change the feel of the show. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm excited for season six. I can't believe we're there. I can't believe we're there either. Crazy. We're, doing, we're like actually doing it. I know. I know we are, Kendra. Oh, I know we are. <laughs> All right, well, you can catch me every other week on The Sandorian Life right here on the Radio Meanwhile Network. I also recently co-hosted an episode of Previously on X-Men where we talked about Deadpool, The Invisible Touch, one of Marvel's Infinity Comics. So that was fun. What about you, Kendra? What are you up to? I be crafting. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, I'm Ms. Musicbox91 on Twitter, and I also co-host the podcast 90s Music Got Me Like, where each week we talk about a different 90s song. So hop on over there for all your 90s music needs. That's right. Well, you can join us next time for a special episode where Kendra and I dig into some of the things we're watching and reading outside of the zip code. Then in... And I'm I'm prepping for the Oscars, baby, so it is a lot. Okay. (laughs) All right. That's going to be our first After Dark episode. And then after that, we're going to be on to season six, episode one. So... Exciting times ahead. Absolutely. 902 and here we go.